Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've never done that. Mommy made me mash my M&M's. Is that an American warm-up? That's an American. Yeah, you guys love M&M's. That's... We'd be like, Mother made me press my Smarties. Like, that would be ours. <laughs> but they're all... At, that does, uh. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is the only musical theatre podcast with cloudy saisons. And conductors' batons. Here, we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Tommy, what are you drinking today? Well, I think it's uh, Perrier, but it might be Canada Dry. I'm not sure. Did you like that one? I did. I did a point, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I realized audio medium. I did a point. I did that. I started to panic while you were talking and was like trying to run through, and I was amazed I landed on one that quickly in my brain. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I, I would have probably just done flamboyant cocktail. I would just like sure. sold out. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Sold out. Why are we drinking these things? I'll well, tell you. I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Nobody knows, though, because nobody got this. No one got this. I was so pleased the, with We this gave question. them a whole month. We were waiting. We were like, we're not going to do the podcast until somebody gets it right. Can you imagine if that was the secret sauce behind <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the reason. Uh, uh, last episode's question. Both Stephen Sondheim and Jerry Herman have worked on partial musical adaptations of the source material for this musical. What show? That show is... La cage aux folles. We are what we are, and what we are is an illusion. on heels causing confusion we face life though it's sometimes sweet and sometimes bitter face life with a little guts and lots of glitter look under our frocks girdles and jocks proving we are what we are we are what we are 
You may be dancing with a girl who needs a shave. La cage folle. You always say, I'm going to say la cage throughout this entire thing because I feel like I never say it right. What? Or fall? Off, off fall. La cage au fall. La cage au fall. Le <laughs> I think it's an SNL sketch where they're trying to teach some guy French and it's like, repeat after me. Je, je, ma, ma, pel, pel, Claude. Je m'appelle Claude. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Have you Tommy. not seen this? What? Tommy. Oh. That's some fucking friends. Ah, uh, well, you know. <laughs> Get thee to a nunnery. Oh my God. Tommy. Hey, friends, I had to reformat that part of my brain to make more room for Sondheim puns. It is, it is a significant amount of defragging that needs <laughs> to get done there. Remember defragging? Oh, God. Those were the days. Anyway, um, like a fall. Yeah, so uh, uh, Stephen Sondheim wrote music for the movie The Birdcage, which is yes. also based on, I think, officially the play, although we'll talk about it, the source... I think the birdcage is just like everything. It's, I think it's just anything that existed before. Also, the the movie and the musical, because it was the it's been the most recent rewriting of the same. Plot. Yes, yeah, yes, um, yeah. Like there was definitely elements from the musical, right? Brought forth. Um, anyway, uh, like how's your fall? Music by Mr. Jerry Herman. Oh, I, we've done we've done all the the big Jerry's now. This is oh. the last big Jerry. Time to do the shit ones. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's not true. Some of them are very good. Anyway, don't um, you down talk Mac and Mabel. I know. I would never. I would never. <laughs> um, and there's a book by uh, Mr. Harvey Firestein. Yes, one of his earlier uh, forays into playwriting and book writing. Hmm. Yeah. This is post Torch Song. Yeah. But I don't, his... I don't know actually know what he did before that. Yeah, I guess is this, he, has he just done Kinky Boots and Lacage? Kinky Boots and Newsies and Newsies, and there's one with a cake on it. Um, oh, it should have been you. No, no, but it's like it should have been you, or maybe it has a taxi cab on it. Hold on, <laughs> on the town. <laughs> Uh, I watched On the Town again recently. I love that show. A catered affair, which you've probably never heard of. It's not great. Is that a musical? It is. And for what it's worth, the uh, album art is a staged wedding cake on top of a taxi bubble. Um, So it is both a wedding cake and a taxi sign. And a taxi. Yeah. Very good. Your knowledge of uh, cover art. (laughs) Oh, he's done a bunch of stuff. There's no bounds. He's at Legs Diamond. I don't know that one. Nope. And I guess, you know, like hairspray. Right. Yeah. Oh, and he did do Newsies. You're right. Yep. He did. He did. We've done that. Oh, and he wrote the teleplay for The Wiz Live. Okay. Oh, yes. So he did. We did that as well. Welcome to, welcome to Jim and Tom. Read the Wikipedia article. Sorry, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But this shows we don't read Wikipedia. (laughs) We read books. Music by Jerry Herman, book by Harvey Firestein, based on the original play, which then became a movie, although the musical's not based on the movie, which is wild. Uh, It opened on Broadway Mm in 1983. Yeah, 80s. Um, It won six Tony Awards that year, including the coveted Best Musical Prize, where it would be out uh, everyone's uh, top pick. Sunday. Sunday. Yes, indeed. And then it it ran for four whole years. Yeah, played Uh, for a long time. Extremely successful. It's been revived a bunch: two thousand four, two thousand eight, and twenty ten. 
Um, yep. And then was later adapted into The Birdcage, which is not a musical, but kind of a, is more of a movie with music in the kind of play yeah. with music yeah, ideal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Lacage, I feel like Lacage is reasonably well known. I mean, perhaps, but we're also gay, so. We are, we're homosexuals. Um, so, let us tell you heterosexuals out there who will have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> the three heterosexual listeners that we probably have. Um, so, Lacage, I'm going to give it a go because normally I give it to you. Yeah, I love it. Let's just see, let's just give it a go. I'm excited. Um, Lacage O'Fall uh, sees um, Georges and Albin, or Albin, however French we're going to be here. Um, uh, Albin is a drag queen who uh, works in Georges' nightclub, which is called La Cage aux Folles, which is in the French Riviera. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are married uh, and have a son uh, together who's called Jean-Michel. Um, and uh, he is looking to wed this uh, very right-wing conservative uh, senator's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, he's not a senator, because that's the film. Uh, he's what a senator he in the film. He's, they just refer to him as a politician, and I don't know okay. enough about French politics. Nothing whatsoever. Um, uh, who are the, the Dandon family. Mm-hmm. Um, all these great French names. Uh, but he is, the, he is the, the founder of the Tradition, Family, and Morality Party. Yes. Um, so together uh, they come up with a scheme um, so that the families can meet uh, whereby um, Georges will downplay the family's career, they'll completely change their life um, and part of that means hiding the very flamboyant Albin. Mm-hmm. Um, but Albin decides to mix everything up and come back and pretend to be Jean-Michel's mother and uh, and hilarity ensues in a, a lovely farcical way. Uh, you did such a great job. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Didn't give the ending away. Uh, well, the ending is the best. The ending is the best. The so that's the totally point, good. isn't it? I will say... The ending is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And, like, I love Lacage, but it, the best version is Birdcage. Um, the yeah, whole, the whole really ending good. one quarter of Birdcage is some of the funniest cinema in the world <laughs> and of course it like adapted from the original french film which is also hilarious yeah um, exactly but it's it's just, it's just got that really strong farce yes fun yes and it is like really really strong it does this this show you know in all of its incarnations does that thing that farces do where you it's almost impossible to see the comedic twist coming but the moment it happens, it becomes so immediately obvious that you like yeah. kick yourself for not seeing it. Yeah. Um, and like it's like deeply satisfying. It's so satisfying and yeah. so funny. Um, yeah. You know when Alban walks in, uh, you know mother's here. It's so, it's drop dead. Like it it's is. just so perfect. So, um, shall we dipity dip dip dive 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 on in? Hop on. No, I said dive. Oh, sploosh. <laughs> That's, I think that is the other one that we do. I think we say hop on and sploosh. God. And then I often say, oh my God, remember holes? And then we get into a three-minute conversation about Shia LaBeouf. Anyway. And everything's ankle straps. 
Marabou, Shalimar It's worth sucking in my guts Girdling my reel Cause everything's ravishing and sexual Fabulous When Alban is tucked away and Sasa is So let's go right back to the beginning Yes um, the origins of love, the origins of this show. Um, so it actually originally, um, it was picked up by the producer who was called Alan Carr. Yes. Um, who I find that very challenging because Alan Carr is a, a like TV talk show host, comedian guy mm. over here. Yes. Who, who is, who could easily be Alvin. I don't know if you don't know if he's ever made it across the pond. No, but I see him on QI sometimes. Um, right yeah 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 um so that i, I just can't get yeah. that out of my because also it wouldn't be weird for it wouldn't him be to weird put on yeah. a production of lacage exactly you know? but different person um, this uh this alan carr produced uh <coughs> he did greece right the film version yeah he did the film version of greece and this i think this is his first foray into broadway yes. i think it was his only foray into broadway yes so well done good good track record um but yeah so he originally had it all tied up with um, choreography by Tommy Toon um, and a score by Maury Yes and a book by Jay Present Allen, mm-hmm. who wrote The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie well, yes. for the theatre, yes. which is one of my absolute faves. Um, so on paper, you're like, this will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was weirdly, they changed the setting to New York, New Orleans. Yeah, they changed, um, and they, they Americanized it and modernized it a bit, which, to be fair, is what the Birdcage did, I think, pretty success- successfully. Not New Orleans, but California, I think. Um, yeah, but also, they didn't call it La Casual Fall. Right, right, fair. <laughs> they called it the Queen of Basin Street. Yes, weird, what? And, like, maybe it, maybe it would have been on Basin Street. I don't know, like... The t- I think the birdcage is a better title for English speaking audiences than yeah. oh for sure La Cage au Fol, um, yeah. which it, what is it the it's like the cage of mad women something like yes. that uh-huh. yes yes um, which also I don't know is the best like I get that it's the title of the nightclub but the uh-huh. show's not about the nightclub no. so it's a weird choice there anyway uh-huh. um, it sounds like just like. I guess from the original play, it's a farce, madness. You know what I mean, like, right. uh, like fully like that. Yeah, it's it's about you as know. about as descriptive as like uh, all you know, all the bedroom farces. What is it like? Um, don't well, dress for dinner. Off. Noises off. Like it's got that. Like who cares what yeah. the title is? Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, and I found this this uh, comment quite interesting. This was in um, uh, Arthur Lawrence's book. Mm-hmm. He said this that. Uh, they he got given the script because um, he was set to direct uh, this version and mm-hmm. um, got given the script and the stage the first stage direction that he read was the decor is early faggot um, <laughs> and he just is like and then I closed the book <laughs> and that was that um, and uh, this never came to fruition because when they got some uh, they got two executive producers on board uh and that production team was promptly fired. Yes. Um, and then there was some suing. Yep. Uh, and then we got the the good guys. <laughs> right. And, and now we got Herman and Firestein. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it became the the show that that we know 
today. Yeah. It is interesting. They were only able to secure rights to the original play to adapt <laughs> from and not the French film. Mm-hmm. Um which is because it was the film. The film was the successful one. Like that was the one. That's what that people knew. Yes, and like not that the the original French play played for <coughs> a very long time, um, mm-hmm. but the film was you know internationally popular. Um, it's still like on the top ten or top fifteen list of uh, foreign films in America pretty regularly. Right. Um, but they couldn't get rights to the film, and that, it's so wild to me. Like because it's all especially since it's basically the same story like i wonder i'm so curious who worked on the film that was the holdout um that said no because clearly the the team for the play um said yes right yeah and a bunch of them worked on the film i do think it is weird because like one I, i would imagine one of your main reasons for not giving rights is because you're like well this is intellectual property and i could use this at some point down the line if i want to make a musical adaptation right but if someone's musically adapting the play right which is literally like you know three degrees away from your content you're never gonna musically adapt the film yeah so i I just find that i did find it really weird why they would have held out on that one and as well like the pedigree of that team yeah was huge yeah it's so it's so baffling, and so really, what it ends up being, um, the <coughs> the movie adds in the twist that uh, the actual mom I can't remember her name um, Sybil Sybil arrives at dinner as like a secondary farcical surprise, and uh-huh. because they didn't get the rights to do that, you know, the Christine Baranski couldn't show up. Yes, <laughs> Christine, who I think was in Sybil. <laughs> that's a weird i think she was crossword clue do you remember sybil no did you never watch sybil no the sybil shepherd no that was like um when i came home from lunch in primary school uh-huh. that was on that's and like it was like that and like suddenly susan okay the glory <laughs> the glory days of <laughs> yeah it was it was like sybil suddenly susan roseanne and golden girls like that is Huh. They were making those children gay. Yes, they were. They knew for a minute. They were. They, were, they knew. Yeah. Anyway, that was a weird sidetrack. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So Christine Baranski couldn't right. <laughs> couldn't be in um, <laughs> in the musical, but in many ways that was a good thing, mm. I think, um, because it meant that the story is more focused. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because actually, I think that's one of the weaker points of the birdcage okay what do you mean i think it's well i just think it's unnecessary oh i think Um, it's so funny though i will say the birdcage is 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 less focused on the couple um we we learn it's still mm. certainly very clearly focused on them but i don't think it ends up being quite as heartfelt um it is Mm. just more of a farce whereas lacage the musical does have a really delightful you know, bittersweet underpinning of watching mm-hmm. this gay couple's relationship go through this tumultuous, tumultuous time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, gives us I am what I am, the act one closer. Um, exactly. Which you don't get those moments in <coughs> the, the straight movie. Straight, well, yeah, you know what I mean. Non-musical yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely not straight <laughs> movie. Um, so wait, do you think, 
It would have been good if the mother was in the musical. I mean, I can see why the mother ended up in the film, right? Because you want to do your in the original French foreign language film, because um, uh-huh. everyone knows the play, and so you need one more twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To you know, make fans. Oh, right. And I think it's a great twist because mm-hmm. you we've already she's been a Chekhov's gun the entire time. And then we shoot Chekhov's gun. Um, yeah. And we we shoot it twice, which is a delightful is such a farcical thing. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's noises off at the very, very end when all three of them are the bank robbers and they're walking around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's that's, you know, French farce to a T. Um, I think it's a fun moment, but certainly it takes away time spent in other stuff although do we really need the 22 minute uh kaja full dance number in the middle middle of act one who knows yes Um. yes we do (laughs) but no i I don't know just like in the film and i know it's it's probably quite bad to to keep going back to the the birdcage because it isn't this but um like that's my like the scene when they go when Robin Williams goes and speaks to Chrissy Bransky mm-hmm. and like they have their little menage and he comes out like I hate that's like my least favorite yeah. I just totally zone out because it's it's not really like who is this woman right she's a bitch but she's actually not really a bitch she's she's just a bit blah yeah you don't really find out the reasons why she abandoned. Right. Her, ch- her child yeah. and then comes back and it's all fine actually yeah, that's fair. I don't know it's just a bit like blah. yeah that's, um, that's totally fair and I just like that in the musical it is a lot more focused because there, there is a lot less to play with yeah, do you know sure. what I mean when yeah. you're on a stage yeah. um, so I think I think it was of, of benefit to them that they couldn't do that and they could tell more of a story that I think they would want to tell yeah. because I also think that if they did have Sybil mm-hmm. in it um I think there would be the temptation mm-hmm. to go a little bit more heteronormative sure yeah with the storytelling yeah that's fair. um and the like you know you're still family too kind of th- like right. mum um just because you know that that's accessible right and you know that people people get that right yeah whereas taking her out of the picture keeps them in the danger zone yeah of like let's keep talking about this this couple yeah you know i mean instead um so i I think it i think it's fine that's fair i do think it is just fascinating you know musical theater lives in this world of almost always being an adaptation and coming off like i was trying to think like what else comes from like I guess uh, Gentleman's Guide ended up in the same place where they got the rights to the play, but not the movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, like only in musical theater does this, maybe in musical theater and comic books do these kind of bizarre rights disputes of like, right. you can have some of the X-Men, but not all the X-Men and we get Spider-Man every three years. And you know, yeah, like yeah, only in summers, but <laughs> the high holidays, like it's such a bizarre you know, the commodification of art, I think, is something I'm uh, machinating about a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and and this is part of it, too, is the negotiation of, like, whose intellectual property is this? Um, yeah. And, like, associating, associating, like, as you said, it's the same damn story. You it's know? really just the same. So what are... <laughs> The but things, then also, yeah. why was the birdcage of the film allowed it? Right. And like, did they have higher, more powerful negotiators? Or did, you know, the one hold out on the original movie die or something? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just don't really get it. Yeah. Like, it's, 
And and for yeah, what it's, for what it's, it's worth, I've I've looked. If you know out there, please let us know. This is not like for not lack of not looking. Not to like a, yeah, exactly. Like it, it, I, you would think I'm interested in this. You'd think someone who had the connections could do the research and you know find it, but no one has posted no. anything about this. I, I do just stuff. think it, for I don't know. Just for me, the surprise was because Alan Carr had made such a hit with Greece. Yeah, that. You would trust, you know, I mean, you just feel like, oh, well, you could probably do anything you wanted. Right. You know? Yeah. And also Broadway at this point, and we'll talk about this in a little bit more, but like um, Broadway was starting to become the tourist trap that we know it right. today. Yeah. So it wasn't even like the Broadway plays are nothing. Right. Like you ain't going to make no money. Like this is like. This, in many ways, was easily penned to be big, regardless of the content. Absolutely, like it's it's not a passion project by any means. It is, yeah. you know, a, a, intended to be a, a money maker. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a bit odd, a bit odd. Yeah. Um. What I do recommend, uh, if you're interested in the origins of it and how it all started, is uh, I talk about it a lot, but is to read Arthur Lawrence's book mm-hmm. because he's so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> It's so bitter and sassy and it's great. It's really fun to read. Um but no, he he basically talks he outlines the entire you know how how it all started because he was there from the, from the start and right. um he was talking a lot about uh when they were writing it. Mm-hmm. Um it, it all started with um I am what I am. That was the the origin. That was all they really had mm-hmm. at their first meeting. Um, Jeremy was like, I have this song um, that I think would work great as an act one closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't like, you know, and what's happened before this is this. It was just this song will be a really good right. <laughs> end of act one. Um, and so from that, because uh, I think because Harvey Firestein was still relatively green, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of looked to Arthur Lawrence to be like, so what do we do? Like work, like drama right. took this for us. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, okay, well, why would he be, why would he be singing this song? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a performer, so it would make sense for him to be, you know, performing and it would make sense for him to be doing it in drag. Right. Um, and then he was like, okay, so he's had to just come off of a performance um, because it wouldn't make sense for him to do it as a performance because then it just becomes a, a number right. as opposed to being a, like a passionate, right. like you know, t- I'm telling George this. Yeah. Um, and then it all just kind of, you know, steamrolled from there. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that's quite funny that it just started with, and it makes sense that it started with that song because yeah. that song is. Oh, it's the best song in the show. Yeah. I would say second to, or maybe a runner up is um, The Best of Times Is Now. Um, really? Oh, you don't like The Best of Times Is Now? Well, I think let's hop on our segue. <laughs> <laughs> I got him to do it. I know I had to do it once, didn't I? I'm feeling all sentimental because we're back, you know. Um, That's the only time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. La da 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 
da da da as we walked on the sand. I heard la da da da. I believe it was early September. Through the crash of the waves, I could tell that the words were romantic. Something about sharing. Something about always. Though the years race along, I still think of our song on the sand, and I still try and search for the words I can barely remember. Though the time tumbles by, there is one thing that I am forever certain of: I hear love, da da da. Because I don't, I don't, I don't love it. Really? I think. Yeah, it's, it's not. It ain't my fave. It's it's such a Jerry Herman, you know. I and I get Jerry Jerry Herman. It's interesting to like look in and see like yeah, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to approach the writing of this thing. And like Jerry Herman has an Excel spreadsheet of musicals and like boxes for act one and boxes for act two. And you just write the name of the song in and like this one has to be, you know, there's a kick line in this one. And this yeah. is the one between the, you know, B yeah. plot romantic duo at like. Exactly. And this is the jaunty, you know what I mean? Number. And this is the more legato. Right. Like... Exactly. And then at the very end, we do it all again one more time. So we remind you of the songs like, yeah, you know, and like for me, it, I don't know. It's effective, but it's not revolutionary yeah i think i think lyrically it's actually pretty good yeah but musically i think it's his weakest that's fair i i mean not like weakest overall because i don't know all of his all sure. of his stuff but out of like dolly mame that's Cash, fair. i Mac mean and mabel yeah it's it's no harmonia gardens uh you know uh hello dolly it's no walking down the stairs mame um no you know and it's like it, it, it couldn't be there's not really any scope for that and it would be weird because it's a quite a low scale right show yeah. do you know what i mean um but also if it was i wouldn't be complaining yeah you know what right. i mean it is like it is interesting to like if we're talking you know the the big three hermans which i would say is this hello dolly and mame yeah um, this is the only one without as much of a kind of uh uh there's many fewer opportunities for a generic giant chorus in this one. Certainly you have the drag queens at the club, but there's no like yeah. 20 waiters and 50 townspeople. No. And yeah, you, know. you don't have like the population of the French Riviera as your, exactly. <laughs> as your back. Like they, they all most definitely have names. Um, you know, and yes. they, they kind of have to struggle to pull, you know, the group of nameless people in the restaurant who sing the best of times is now. Um, right. And it is, you know, I wonder I wonder if that's even some of the faults of the show because Herman was trying to fill out his spreadsheet mm. with a different brand of content. Mm. Um, and, like, I do, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because I think this show, I enjoy this show. It has some moments that are very weak, that are very, very, very weak. 
yeah, I think I think so. And it's one of those things like I'm not going to fight the the fate of being like this is bad or no, blah blah. It's a great it's, show. It's totally fine and it's very enjoyable. And, and I it, think the book is really good. And it's important. Like, there's a ton of great things right, for the show. Right. Absolutely. Um. But I think for me, the weakest part about it is 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 Big Jazz. Like, I don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I know, like, I am what I am. It's a triumph. Yes. Full stop. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um. But everything else yeah. is fine. It's fine. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, and sometimes it's poor. And like <laughs> ma- masculinity, which should be a song about like butter your toast like John Wayne, but they right. do that in a scene first and then have a di- like, you know, or even the one that really gets to me is um, uh, what does he call it? Right, Right before it's mama and they're like, having this farcical round about like hiding the dishes. Oh, the cocktail counterpoint. The cocktail counterpoint, that one. It should, it should be comedy gold, right? Yeah. It should be um, uh, motherhood America and a hot lunch for orphans. Um, Right, yes. We know he can do it. And that and Dolly is so good. Like you get the point in the song you don't even need to see what's happening on stage to understand it and then it gets so yep. much better when you see them like hiding under hat racks and tables and, and shit yeah 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 cocktail counterpoint is almost a nothing right i had to struggle to remember the name and it ends in the most comedic turn of the whole damn show but it's kind of like ah, here it is right and it just like it's so it's so obvious what it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I love counterpoint stuff and I think when it's done well, yeah. it's like, with um, like the way it is in music man, mm-hmm. I think is masterful. Gorgeous. Like it is, it's absolutely masterful because you've got these really distinct songs yes. that work that you'd never expect well on their own. To, to fold into each other. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, this, I am in actual heaven. Right. This is like, we're going to do weird phrasing and leave lots of gaps. And you're yeah. just like, you make it a, make it a, not to mention the fact it's called cocktail counterpoint. Right. But you didn't do some counterpoint there. We're gonna wait, wait until everyone comes. In. And so you're just basically waiting for everyone to finish their lines. Right. And then you just get because there's five as well. It's yeah. Very Jekyll and Hyde. One, do you know what I mean? Where you're just getting this barrage. Yeah. Of, and it is such a like, it's such a loud and brassy song. And like mm. the comedy of that moment is the like extreme uncomfortability of everyone in that room. Right. And the song doesn't sound like that. The song no. doesn't sound like finger tapping, forced conversation, you know, whispers under the actually, breath. Because actually, because that's the thing is it sounds like, like if, if you were doing this in like the real world, like the setting of the song, um, at that point, the conversation would be really jarred. Right. It's like stilted, yeah. lots of pauses, really awkward. Yeah. Like you could do something funny with that, but actually what it comes out is as if they're all pals and they're all talking over each other. Right. And it doesn't ring well. You know what I wonder? Do you think <laughs> knowing what we know about Jerry Herman and the Broadway landscape at the time? Yeah. Do you think Herman was trying to pull an artsy weekend in the country style? round maybe because it's not his bag it's, it's very uncharacteristic yes of him. it's not like, like any to other me, that's like yeah. that is like jerry harvard experimentation do you yeah. know what i mean I, i've never listened to like dear world or whatever so sure. i don't know maybe that's full of it and it's all great but yeah. i doubt it um yeah it doesn't work no. um <clears throat> that's an interesting point 
I wonder. That, no, there's no way he, he Jerry Herman doesn't feel threatened. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's fair. But even you like know what I mean, you know, a lot of the other songs in this, save for the title song, uh, mm-hmm. "I Am What I Am" and its various things, like yeah. I don't really care for song on the sand. I think with Anne on my arm and with you, on, I think the with Anne on my arm and with you and on my arm, like counterpoint is a yeah. fun moment. Like that's a fun story moment. Right. Um, eh. I, yeah. I know. It's just, it's, there's nothing that's like, Oh, it's this song. Right. Whereas like in every, well, I was going to say every other Joe Herbert score and hello jolly of me. <laughs> there are so many standout moments where yes. you're like, Ah, yes, yes, this is incredible. This is so fun. This yeah. is pure musical well, theater. And even um, like the, the throwaway moments in, say, Mame, right? Like, mm. a man in the moon is a lady. <laughs> so memorable and important. And like... Absolutely. It, and could have been not a song, right? Yeah, yeah. But he, And like, I feel like the man in the moon could easily fit in here somewhere i know and it would be one of the standout do you know i mean it would then be one yeah. of the standout and, songs and you know actually knowing herman i'm surprised he didn't just <laughs> <laughs> just rewrite just, just, just we'll crib rewrite. it like he's he's yeah. done that before um, exactly you know the man of the moon and was the lady like if we're gonna rewrite lacage it would be a good like post death of author <laughs> absolutely switch it in <laughs> <Came out. laughs> with b arthur yeah exactly <laughs> They, they would be a great revival cast. <laughs> the all-female version. I'm ready for it. Uh, be Arthur and La- uh, Angie. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I don't know. Like, I think um, like Zaza's numbers are are good are because good. they're just like fun and showy. Yeah. And if you've got a good Zaza, then they're going to be very enjoyable yeah. numbers. Um, and like the lyric, I actually, I really do. Like, I really commend the lyric because I, I think the lyric in We Are What We Are mm-hmm. is perfect it's for... Perfect that number yeah you know what i mean um and i think for for jerry herman quite risque yeah oh absolutely i mean they, <laughs> you know what i mean you know i'm sure we'll continue to touch on it but like it, it sounds like there was a lot of um discussion about how i don't know political they were gonna get with this show yeah and there were times in the writing process where it was gonna be a little more uh overt or heavy-handed or very like hey gay rights gay rights gay rights <laughs> Yeah. And they they reeled that back, I think, to the success of the show, honestly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I Am What I Am is about as political as it gets. Oh, it's full, full, full gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would like, it would fit very well in a drag bar today. Oh, yeah. I mean, it became, you know I mean? It became the gay anthem of its yeah. time. Still remains, yeah. I would wager. Um, so, yeah, I you know, like, props to him there, but everything else you could just go yeah exactly um it's not where it's it's not like it's not a cash recording i return to no you know i mean again again because it's like oh the beautiful jerry herman music which is weird because it's jerry herman because i do that with other stuff yeah it is you know it is one of those shows where like you at this point i think people would do it so that they can sing i am what i am and have like the build-up and the excuse and the plot around that thing right yeah Um, which speaks to the success of the song it's just wild Mm. that that's as you know it's such a it's such an important tentpole to the whole show totally um which i guess you know perhaps starting with it in the writing process maybe was a detriment yeah they peaked yeah on day one yeah and then everything <laughs> and was... they kind of but that is they kind of did like it, it, the, there is nothing better than it yeah and i feel like that shouldn't be the case it shouldn't be that your first song 
that you ever write is the one you sh- you feel like you should be able to as you get to know your content more right you're like oh i'm gonna write this incredible duet yeah for yeah. george and alvin like yeah. you find that and like you know there's there's fun wordplay and a little more mascara like we're, uh-huh. we're we're learning about zaza there but it's still not quite i think a lot of the songs don't do a good job to define their characters like i think one of the tough parts i have like um you know uh i'll i'll be in um mm-hmm. is perhaps the most developed character in the show mm-hmm. and everyone else is pretty dang flat um, yeah you know they they are plot machinations as opposed to characters uh, characters they're they're there yeah. to make the farce happen which i guess yeah. is a is a farcical thing um but you can have big bold characters in farces of course you can and it makes it all the better yeah yeah you know what i mean it, it, it really really does um but yeah i mean it's you know fair enough right uh but i think um I don't, I'm really intrigued by your point that you made about uh, the counterpoint and him trying to be a bit crafty. Yeah, yeah. I find that really interesting. I do wonder. Because I don't know... Because obviously he wouldn't have known... They wouldn't have known when they started writing it right. that they would have been up against Sunday. So exactly. he wouldn't have been like, I need, I'm going to be up against Sunday, so I need to make sure I do it. But the landscape... Yeah. You know, I mean, like Sondheim was really staking his claim by this point. Yes. Like, well, and um, we we looked it up beforehand. Famously, uh, when Herman won, I think it was the best musical Tony. Yes, I think that was the one that he speech. gave a speech. Yes, um, and he made some real snarky, backhanded yeah. comments uh, that was here. absolutely about Sunday in the Park with George and Stephen Sondheim. Like fully, uh, he said. This award forever shatters a myth about the musical theatre. There's been a rumour around for a couple of years that the simple, hummable show tune was no longer welcome on Broadway. Well, it's alive and well at the palace. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's brilliant. It's so, it's so wild. But, I, you know, the landscape of the time, and certainly Broadway was turning more intellectual, and, and this was the beginning of it. And so is this the tail end of the kind of Hermanesque era? of these toe tappers of the toe tapping hummable and i it's i find it quite um i find that one quite tricky to answer because um we're entering very much entering the 80s now yeah uh where we're moving away from the experimental 70s right and we're getting into the lord lloyd webber yeah well, and I, his faction and i do wonder and like you know we we may I, I, I don't want to discredit, like, we, you know, our history. Like, this, Lacage was revolutionary in being a a, a primary right. homosexual couple on stage. Like, yeah. Get, you in, know, a, in a big Broadway show. In a big Broadway show that, yeah. you know, middle class working folk can attend and enjoy. Like, that that's yeah. a, a big deal. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, like, I think we've talked about this before. I wonder how things would have spun were it not for the AIDS epidemic or were, yeah. were it not for this like mass devastation of yeah. the kind of theatrical talent in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe but I just, we would sorry, have, yeah, no, maybe we would have seen more. Cause like, I don't think Phantom of the Opera and Cats were terribly stemming off this Sunday in the park intellectualism. Um, no, when they no, definitely not. But like, I don't see Jerry Herman m- moving into that 
right world do you know i mean i don't see him being like do you know what i'm really getting how to write uh how to write complex musical yeah, exactly. theater to tell I, a story have you heard about this argentinian dictator let's write a musical about exactly like, like i let, take me back to my matchmakers please right um yeah like i don't know but i just i do find it weird that he was saying that when you know literally around the corner was cats yeah like i'm in my opinion it's hummable yeah <laughs> I, I would tap my toe to cats. There you go. Humming away. Um, but yeah, I, it was weird that that was the point he was making because I don't think people in the 80s were saying Broadway's the place for intellectuals. Do you know what I mean? So, which makes me think that was purely just a slight at Stephen Sunday. <laughs> it's so wild. One, it is wild knowing. <laughs> the plot of Sunday and that it is this kind of meta commentary on art itself that like, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, 20 years before, no, not 20 years before, like 13 years before he'd qu- said that exact same thing in Merrily We Roll Along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, and here's Jerry, Jerry Herbert, one of his colleagues, one of his peers. Right. Coming and saying that to him. Yeah. You'd be rolling your eyes, but it's fine. He won the Pulitzer. So it's all That's good. True. It is wild. And <laughs> I guess I've never quite had this thought so concretely, but that we do that musical theater is an art form that has, that is home to both of these things that mm. is home to this, like deeply intellectual Sondheim esque, uh, uh, you know, meta meta commentary on insert subject matter here, mm-hmm. but also sequins and spangles and drag and show tunes and let's sing the chorus again five more times so that you remember right. it and like right. slow down the tempo now right like and and that they they're not two separate art forms you know yeah exactly and it's like the audiences cross over yeah well and even like you know what i mean as much as we slam some of the, the music in lakash this is certainly i think herman's one of herman's most intellectual pieces um yeah for as much as he says you know the toe tapping is alive and well on broadway um but it's it's got some deep commentary going on it does it and like his lyric is i would say i think i'm not gonna go as far as say it's one of his best lyrics but um in a different way because like i think with like uh hello dolly he does uh, he does it in a more sort of poetic way of like looking at sounds and yeah. consonants and the very musical, you know, that yeah. like musical the, lyric. A lot of the lyrics in Dal, I feel the room swaying because the band's playing one of my old favorite songs from way back when is nothing right. until the music gets with it. And then it's Ex- yes. a delightful flowy piece where you uh-huh. can't disassociate. Like I can't say those words without hearing the melody in my brain. Exactly, exactly. Um, but whereas here he's really getting into wordplay yeah. and rhyme and you know it is it's more cerebral it's more intellectual yeah. in, in a way in a different way i'm in not saying way. yeah it's basil and um is that the right pronunciation basil basil of base oh like not the not, like basic got it not the pasta but the wanking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves basil um, um, but yes and that's key yeah. Uh, yeah, but like I'm not saying that Hello Dolly is but it's it's not it's it's quite genius in in many ways. Right. But it's just different. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So it's I don't know. Yeah, certainly stretching himself more. 
It is yes. interesting. The uh, I think it's it's the published libretto mm-hmm. um, for this show is the most prescriptive musical libretto I have ever seen. Like the first every scene starts with a full on ground plan. Um, which I don't know if this is just a publishing thing of the time or if it's yeah, something yeah. specific to this libretto, but like I've got it right here. And you know, at the beginning of act one, scene one, there's, they show you, and this is cool. I'm glad they wrote this down. There's like a whole, it's the, I forget which set design book I was reading it in, but they very much wanted it to feel like a zoom in of a movie. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Cause that's how the movie started. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't I obviously, if they, that's a thing they could pinch because it's not copying the film right it's stagecraft yeah so they exactly but you like zoom into the club and then the club kind of parts is that is that in one of the hat books maybe does sondheim talk about that i don't know um oh. but whatever that anecdote is but like they write that down and then here's the ground plan for the next scene and here's the ground plan for the next scene and i always right. find this wild you know i'm a, a tech director at heart um and like it always I always get a little laugh whenever a, a, a published script says like, and then they exit left. Like even to be that prescriptive is such a what? Like, of course, just say they exit. Like who knows yeah. if they exit left or right or, you know, out the nine o'clock vom Cause you're in the round. Right. Like you don't need to be because in every script, it says like, you must do this exactly as written. And so how exact it is, can define technically how specifically you're supposed to do it. Right. And it's wild that they would care that much, you know? Totally. About those things in particular, you know what I mean? Because then it's, I don't know, I find that a bit odd because it removes the... Yeah. The fun. And and cer- like, certainly, like, all the stage directions are super specific, and I have no doubt that's Lawrence. Like, here's the, yeah. here's the choreography, do it like I said. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, and I think, because if you think of, um, I would say the only time that I've seen a really, really prescriptive musical theatre script is like Fiddler sure. or yeah. Westside, yeah. where it's, um, uh, what's it called? Robbins. Come on. Yeah, John Robbins. Uh, when it's him, you know, being like, I'm the best and this needs right. to be like this, where yeah. it's, li- it's physically licensed, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas I think being like, this is the set yeah that you must use yeah that's weird well, like it's, it's such a i mean speaking of my intellectual property mullings over like there's a there's huge discussion in the educational theater world about how it's a bad a quote-unquote bad thing to explicitly copy a set design to like mm. do it just like it was on broadway um but then you also see on the other side build it exactly like this. It looks like this. Do it. Um, and we don't license out the rights to set design. You no. Know, in the same way we don't license choreography and much to the chagrin of a lot of litigation. Um, right. Like, it's, you know, people, This is it's built on a bunch of, like, falsified assumptions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, o- only you license it so that I can make money, but don't copy it for free. Um, and if there's not a structure for you to pay me to do it my way, don't do it my way. Yeah. It's such a fascinating, you know, 
that we try to put bounds around this. I don't know, maybe I'm slowly turning into a socialist or something and throwing down the, the constructs of capitalism. Maybe that's what it is. In this day and age? <laughs> how revolutionary, how gauche. Um, uh, yeah, weird, silly. Yeah, very bizarre. Unnecessary. Yeah, but if you can get your hands on uh, uh, the published version of the Lacage uh, uh, libretto, it's a fascinating uh, stage direction read. Yeah, I love stage because I like I love like in the in like the uh, Tennessee Williams books oh, or like Arthur Miller, like reading the like pages upon pages yeah. of you know how I've, the way that the sun is refracting through yeah. the windows and stuff like that. I've quoted it I before, think. but it's in uh, Glass of an Ash. Read. It's as if the candles yeah. on the holy altar of Laura's face have been snuffed out. Yeah, what a ridiculous so sentence! How do you? I love that. How shit. do you act that? That's what makes a play script readable, though, because you're like, oh, stunning. Sure. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's what they were doing. Maybe they were like, "This is some really incredible stuff." Exit, exit, down, stage left, sit on stool. Yeah, deeply emotional. Really, <laughs> I, I've just wept. I am what I am. I am my own. So come take a look Give me the hook By the ovation It's my world That I want Riding my world, and it's not a place I have to hide in. Life's not worth a damn till you can say, Hey, what I am what I am. I I don't want praise I don't want pity I bang my own drum Something it's noise I think it's pretty And so what If I love each feather and each spangle Why not try to see Things from a different angle Your life is a sham Till you can shout out loud I am what I am I am So hey, let's talk about being gay Oh, this show's so gay <laughs> Gay did you talk about this in your gay documentary? I did, because uh, uh, I I declare Jerry Herman as a as a diva creator, and that his diva is Zaza, and how that kind of right it, it kind of puts a cap on an era of diva discussion in musical theater. Um, well, it, but that's interesting you say because um, how many years later? 
not many years later, mm-hmm. ten, oh no, like 10 years later. Um, but 10 years later, we got uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman, which yeah. is a show about diva worship. Yeah. You know but what I, I mean? But I think at that point, it's a, it starts to recognize itself. Whereas like Hello Dolly in its plot is mm. not a show as well. Hmm, here's a sentence I was going to say. Um, is not a show that is as much about worshiping a woman, but there's a whole damn song where they're like, "You're back, we love you, let's dance." Yeah, true. Because right? I was, I was actually kind of with you, but just but more in just the sense of that's not who the, she was. It's not the point but, of the show. Whereas in Kiss yeah. of the Spider Woman, it's the point of that is the point. It's a yeah. huge plot point. She is this, you know, scary but worshipable person. Um, uh-huh. And like there, there is this. And so the point I make, which I think I took from the book about gay musical theater that I want to name in this moment. I don't think I've got that one. Something for the boys. Um, oh, yeah. Something for the John boys. M. I don't Clum. have that one. Great, great. Clume, maybe. Um, delightful book. Um, and and uh, uh, he talks, John talks about this in the book um, mm. that like there is musical theater ends up with this sense of diva worship and then theorizes that it does have to have something to do with the gender bending desire of queer folk, which certainly uh-huh. is a problematic statement, but right. Go but with yes, me for a second. yes, yes. Um, and so instead of someone fully existing their flamboyant life on stage, you read in Dolly or Mame or whoever, um, yep. And then to then see it come full circle in a queer musical where the center plot point is the discussion of the inner femininity, femininity yeah. of Albin um, yeah. is, is delightful, is just wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, like, because this is a, a all gay creative team mm-hmm. as well, yeah. like, it, it, it kind of shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, and especially just at like the time as well. I think yeah. it, like there's so many, so many stars were aligning yeah. for this to be created I wonder, and for this to work as well. I wonder what you think. Oh, did I lose it? Um, I was looking up reviews, um, and like you know, screw critics, um, especially this one. Uh, John Simon was a critic for New York Mag, maybe. Um, right. And, okay. And is terrible. Like. Was just terrible would make like disparaging comments about people's weight and like and oh, was let go for just kind of being an all-around shitty person um, right gave kajaful uh a terrible uh uh review oh. um, and one of his points is uh that it's an oversimplification of homosexuality um, that it becomes kind of fluffy and frou frou, and right. makes it really easy to uh, uh, you know sympathize with this couple um, because it is painted with you know pink lenses, uh, uh-huh. like, and I mean he says you know, uh, but he, but but here it's worse. Kaj plays right into the hands of homophobes. No, quote, right-minded anti-homosexual and which two-bit fag baiter doesn't consider himself right-minded would identify him or herself with the heterosexual characters of this Kaj. Crude, stupid, unprepossessing, or in this case of the young lovers, smarmy and untalented. 
Yeah. This is the 80s. I know. However, the sanctimonious piety with which this show is being hailed in standing ovations, critical hosannas, bourgeoisie self-congratulation, and homosexual ecstasies. The first act curtain number, I am what I am. Albin's defiant self-assertation as drag queen and surrogate mother to the young Jean-Michel is being touted as the new gay anthem forces one to take it more seriously. I fully expect straight couples to wear the ticket stubs of Kaj as goody-goody conduct medals on their chests and take that I am what I am. It's fair enough. Uh, it is a fair enough show tongue cleverly integrated with plastic and blah, 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 blah. Like, uh-huh. man, oh, man. And, you know, like, this oh, guy This guy sucks. I hate Ruiz. Um, yeah. And uh, an interesting point. <laughs> it, is, no, it is an interesting point. It is, the thing is, is, like, um, it... You, there's like almost like three in my head there's like three kind of time periods of thought about uh sort of uh, yeah queer identity yeah um at that time in the 80s where there was nothing right you know what i mean this was the first We're still gay broadway f- musical you know what I mean? With, yeah yeah um of course it was wonderful because it was something right right and then we got into like the late nineties, two thousands, where gay rights were becoming more of a realistic, yeah, you know, idea. Um, and then suddenly there was a lot of um, pushback against stereotypical gay portrayal. Right. Exactly. Right. And then I would say now we're back in the world of like embracing the femme. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're like, actually, Albin is a really well-rounded, identifiable right. character who completely would exist. And because it was funny, because I was like, like reading about it, um, I read an essay on it from, I think it was like 2004. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the most recent revival hadn't happened yet. Okay. Um, and they were basically talking about it being really broad. Sure. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, mildly offensive, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I am what I am lyrically is so powerful. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, I, I would have been there mm-hmm. in 2004. Yes. Like I would have agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was the time of like, no, we're more than that. We are humans. We are, you know right. what I mean? And now, we are well and now we are in a more, you know, do no small part to like RuPaul. Um, yeah. You know, save for the fracking. Um, <laughs> oh, Oh, can't say. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, like visual joke. Yeah. Uh, Last uh, call. Drag acceptance, and you know the, the the we can talk around gender identity and sexuality much more uh, lyrically now. I think. Yeah. Than even even in you know the twenty tens. hundred percent. Like uh, to me, this is like a, a three year ago thing. Like right. Uh, it's yeah. very it still feels very fresh i would i would love to see one more revival where they where we get to see the full breadth of gender identity or you know yeah. even uh like cis gay representation as opposed right. to the kind of like you know one of them wears the pants in the family and yeah. uh you know and everyone else is boas and lisps and wrists and uh-huh. you know and, and like I think it, it would make the show a little difficult because it does play on a lot of that in kind of an old school entertainment way for the comedy. Yep. 
Yep. Um, but it'd be a good challenge. It would, but also it's weird because like, it, you know, those jokes and it, it's not, it's because it's not done at the expense of anyone. Right. Because at the end of the day, Albin is still the hero or heroine yeah. of the show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he, he ends up on top. Right. At the end. So it's not been like the joke's been at his expense. Right. He isn't like the the classic yeah. queer character who's just, you know, the camp like mess who yeah. giggles around. I will and say And actually it's George who's the more stand up, yes. you know. I will say uh uh the character Jacob, the butler, butler maid. Yes. Is perhaps the most problematic in We're going in broad strokes with, with the good old Jacob. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. And don't don't get me wrong, very funny and it's very funny like, yes. <laughs> I've, I've i've met jacobs before like uh, and i'm meeting more and more jacobs nowadays right exactly so i don't want to say like you know part and parcel this is fully offensive but it is a you know there's a there's it's, a tight well, to walk there i think that's the thing is you need to go back to then authorial intent yes and you, are you writing that right to you know play up or are you writing it because you know Jake, you know, I mean, you're like, oh yeah, this is he this fleshed out character? Yeah, no, he's not. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, but um, he but he serves as it's a farce, you know, like yeah, exactly, we, exactly, we, and it, it, you know, nothing again, nothing that he says is so offensive, right? That again, that he is like the butt of the joke because you're laughing at him, yeah, because he's like a gay idiot, right? Well, I mean, he does like blow up a chicken and walk on on stage, covered in. <laughs> But not because he's gay. Mm, fair. Do you know that's just because he is a he is like the bumbling butler. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the flamboyant, witty kind of repartee that he has, right, is actually just funny. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I think that's where the the. But I still think it is. We're, it we're is a very lovely brushstrokes yeah. there. Yeah, like I don't think we wouldn't see this musical created in this way if we started today. No, no, it'd be a very, very different. And I think the thing is, is like, actually, if this was written today, mm-hmm. it could be a really good piece. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It could be a really, really good. But I also think it would just be unnecessary. Yeah. We don't need any more like cis gay representation these days. We, right. We're exactly. doing, we're we doing really, okay really don't. Yeah. We're totally, and we really don't need more like drag queens. No. Like, and people, like, embracing that, right. like... Yeah, we're, especially, we're especially where, like, gay is the plot point. Uh-huh. You know, like, and where this one is very much, like, it's a discussion of found family, gay family, gay yeah. marriage. You know, it is yeah. interesting to me in rewatching and rereading, and I think this is a good sign, like, how... I think they only make it a joke once... I think Albin says, like, uh, you knew my parents would never accept me for who I am, a performer. Um, or, like, in show business, it's something like that. Uh-huh. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's maybe about the only time they really, you know, and then the, the not senator, whatever his name is, the dad, mm-hmm. you know, says some stuff about, like, you can't accept their lifestyles for who they are. But they don't drop the word gay a lot or at all. They don't drop the word homosexual, save for maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is a good hashtag good thing for uh, uh, gay representation. Cause I think like, it, you know, I don't say the word gay every day 
Yeah, without making it like the gay the gay show. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's not that. I will say, and I don't. I might show my hand. How do you feel about Kelsey Grammer being in a recent revival? I, I, do you know what? It, it's not that recent now. That's true. That's the thing. And like, and it's. Because back then I wouldn't have batted now. Really, like, oh, great casting. Yeah. Nowadays, if it was happening, you can do better. Well, so um, perhaps I'm assuming some things that you know about American politics. Kelsey Grammer is like a tried and true Trump supporter. Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I didn't know that. Is like right wing. Um, per- oh, perhaps the only exception to the like Republican agenda that Kelsey Grammer disagrees with is uh, he's for gay marriage, which is probably the only reason he was okay doing this show. Uh, right but it's such an interesting you know i didn't know that set aside straight performers playing gay roles which i think we still have a problem with nowadays yeah cough cough james corden cough cough Um, right but like especially someone as unaccepting as that yeah in this anthem of a thing as clearly stunt casting right I'm going to go see Frasier in that gay play. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, I think, um, cause it was, ah, uh, I'm trying to think who, repl- did Chris Sieber replace him or did he replace? That is a good question. Yeah, um, he did. He did. Chris Sieber. So Chris Sieber replaced it. And like, that's perfect casting. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's great. Because actually in what is quite, awkward turtle um it was jeffrey tambor who first replaced Ke- kelsey grammer huh interesting which, nowadays in yeah. the cold light of also day, like, would also be kind of problematic yeah <laughs> that's extremely problematic yeah uh, and then they settled on uh chris Sieber. and i think chris Sieber he was on with harvey okay when harvey took over sure. um from douglas hodge yeah uh, and that must be yeah. delightful Right, that's a one. That's a wonderful pairing. I love that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think. But then again, in 2010, yeah, that wasn't the fight. Right. We weren't worried about casting gay actors and gay roles. Yeah, because of what a novel concept. Yeah. That would he, be. he would have gotten pushback about saying like, "Well, can gay actors never play straight roles?" And it's like, right, no, exactly. that's not what we're saying. No. Um. But yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I, I do. I want to have a bit of a conversation about um, like the the in more of like Lacage as a story mm-hmm. um, in this idea of like the performing gender and performing drag. Yeah, because I think this is something that uh, we're, we're starting to see a, a bit more of in terms of a, a nuanced discussion about it. Sure. Um, because you know obviously most of the chat of this is or like the most of the naysayers of this would mm-hmm. say that it's it's completely heteronormative sure it's just that they're two guys right do you know what i mean because they literally call him the mother right exactly. the wife yeah um and he plays a, a, and the, the comedy comes from the fact that ah but he is a man right. um and obviously there you start to get into like some difficult territory yeah when it comes to gender yeah because actually you know is albin cis right you know is albin some kind of queer and of its time we didn't have 
as much of a this this kind of way to talk around these things. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. it is it is interesting because like you know we we both uh, a hive mind put this in our notes about like drag and performance and yeah th- this is a musical where drag is drag as opposed to like a joke. Um, mm-hmm. Like you run through, there's plenty of other drag, you know, whether it's uh, uh, the mom in Hairspray or Mary Sunshine in Chicago, yeah, um, or even like Trunchbull and Matilda, um, mm-hmm. and like those are, I think, frustrating performances to talk about given a modern sensibility. Like Trunchbull in Matilda is kind of just like a mean sexist joke. I think there's a reading yeah. that way. And I, I will say... Yeah, no, there is. There is. And do you know why? It's because Pam Ferris did such a good job in the right. film. yep. And, like, it, it is certainly informed from a different edge. Like, certainly informed, I think, from the, you know, grand British tradition of Panto. Um, right. Which is different. Maybe. Yeah. Or have we been turning a blind eye to some of the, you know, sexism of cis gay males performing in drag um which which i think we have honestly yeah um i think but i think that's the things i think there is a really especially because in the drag world there's such a contentious conversation around bio queens right um and their legitimacy you know i mean that like it's not even like you know how how good are they how do they mix it's like can they exist we're, we're still having that conversation right. you know what i mean yeah um which is that classic kind of gay gatekeeping exactly that we like to do as cis gay men um but yeah like i've put down here um two examples that i think kind of fit into it in different ways mm-hmm. um one of them being Hedvig, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting part of that conversation because Hedvig is a drag queen right. who is trans right yeah, Hed- Hedvig is kind of that conversation, um, yeah. at least from a plot and, point. And is done in, I would say, a really good, nuanced, yeah. intelligent way. I will say, I mean, you can unpack anything. Can you name a trans performer who has performed as Hedvig, right? Comme ça, exactly, exactly. Um, and so there, like, there's, again, another... Yeah kind of conversation another side to be had um what i think the the thing that i'm like they could get this so right Mm -hmm. right is when they adapt to wong fu thanks for everything julie (laughs) noir for the musical stage because that film obviously when it was made Mm -hmm. um you wouldn't have been able to have this conversation about gender like they were drag queens right but they lived as women right exactly right um and now i'm like you could you could recreate to wong fu yeah keeping every single thing pretty much the same yeah but they identify themselves as trans mm-hmm. and you have that conversation yeah um in the the small redneck town right right and then it becomes this like wow we've not had this before like this is special i do get trans actors playing the character like i just i see it in my head and it's perfect i do do wonder (sighs) the thing i'm about to say i'm not saying is true but is a potential Mm. future i could see like i think there's a world where 
our culture turns to look upon drag performance, how we look upon blackface these days? Well, a lot of people make a similar argument. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, particularly a lot of females yeah. uh, make make the argument, um, whether they're cis females or trans females. Like right. that is that is a and a I, big discussion to be I, had because the, the argument always comes back as like, well, it's performative gender, it's performing gender, right? Um, and it's you know a discussion about that. But I'm like, is it always? Yeah, and I think that's the problem. Is like sometimes it is. And for what it's worth, Lakaja does it well in that Zaza's signature move is pulling off her wig at the end of the performance. Um, right. Which I get. I know some history about that. Yeah. That was the law in France. Oh, really? Yes. So they, um, the drag performance, because drag was quite a mainstay of, in France. Sure. Um, but kind of one of the deals that they had to do was to show that they weren't coer- it was, uh, that it wasn't coercion. Sure. They would have to take off the wig to show... This is an illusion. (laughs) It's like dropping the asbestos curtain at intermission. um, Exactly. That's wild. Exactly. Interesting. Um, So that that's a a feature. Do you know? So it's just a historical feature because it feels like a a a choice. um, Mm -hmm. Which you know, in when they wrote this, they could have not done that. Um, Yeah. But like, not all drag performance. I mean. (laughs) I don't think, I think most drag performance isn't, nuance is not the word of the day. Um, no. Which is the point and it's fine. Um, but it's not like every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race starts with a historical unpacking of why drag exists. Right. Um, which perhaps it should. Like if, and not that I, I think RuPaul's doing a great job anyway, but like <laughs> if we're if our goal is to increase acceptance and understanding and education, mm-hmm. yeah, spend 20 minutes in the finale Talking about the history of drag. Yeah. And like like, a, like an actual history of drag, not just like a, like, yeah. we love Cher. No, like, give, <laughs> give me a, a, a Ken Burns moment of, <laughs> you know, slowly scrolling pictures of, of right. you know, old drag performers in, in New York. But that's the thing, because um, like, the, the, you know, I mean... They're more than happy to keep dropping Paris is burning and just like just saying like, oh, right. well, you know, like Paris is burning. And it's like, right. yeah, but what do you mean by that? Like, right. My mom doesn't know that when she watches RuPaul. Like, right. She doesn't put that together. And I've, but I just feel like that is thrown around so much. It's like, yeah, well, Paris is burning like that. That's like the right. origin story of I'm like, no, it's it's really not like it's a, a really good snapshot into the ball culture in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but like all the kind of drag race culture has yeah. done is just kind of pick some key quotes from that and then run right. away. And it's not really acknowledging like right. Venus How extravaganza and the fact that she was yeah. murdered for being right. a, tr- you know, a trans woman. Like yeah. that doesn't get talked about. No. Yeah. It's such, you know, we're, we're, and I feel like Kaj falls into this a little bit too. Mm. Like, not being the best steward of how we got here. Do you say steward? Yeah. Do you say s- steward? Steward. That might actually be the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Let Stuart, me say that Stuart's again. Stuart's a person's name. Stuart. Stuart. Um, not being the best steward <laughs> of how we got here. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess on the flip side of that, because like this is the other problem with all sorts of queer representation mm. these days is like n- not everything needs to be a barrier gaze like 
beat the dead horse again, 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 right. and explain it. Right. Um, yeah, because so we, we want to get to that I stage, want. don't we, when it's not mentioned, right. but also we really want to be mentioned and represented right. historically and yeah. taught. Um, yeah. yeah. It is. It's endlessly, it's endlessly difficult because it's a social issue. Right. So there, there will be, you know, it, it will be discussed ad infinitum. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, to give Lacage its dues... Um, it, it, you can't deny that it is a cornerstone absolutely in terms of musical theatre history like it is one of these really important bricks in the wall um, because and I was like having a look because I was like I wanted to get a really good idea of what did gay musical theatre look like um, sure. at that time in the run up and I was just so surprised that um, I think In Trousers mm-hmm. was before this okay and then I think March of the Falsettos was after this. Okay. Um, and then Falsetto Land and Falsettos was definitely right. after, because that was 92. Um, right. But I'm pretty sure March of was after. Um, so, like, this is undoubtedly the first, yeah. you know what I mean? The first gay musical. Like, you can't... Right. You can't... Yeah. It's... You... Yeah. Um, in terms of Broadway... Uh, yeah. And then, but after that, we had to wait until Kiss what of the film? Spider Woman, which was 93, yeah. and then Rent was 96. Yeah. And then what? Fun Home? Maybe? Uh, no, I think we probably would have had more in between, but I can't think because I didn't look after Rent. Because the thing is, is like, I feel like with Rent, that was, that was kind of... It kind of blows up in the floodgates. A bit yeah. More. That was in many ways like putting the bookmark on um like a like gay plus aids do you know what i mean like that right. was that was after i feel like after rent it stopped being about well if you're talking about yeah. gay people you need to talk about aids like right that's and then it just became about gay storytelling again um yeah yeah which is obviously fair but uh i found that just really interesting that it wasn't like a it wasn't a floodgate it wasn't a yeah the cash exists and now we and can now, be gay in well, theater. And, e- <laughs> like. and even everything you mention, like, uh, and certainly it's a sliding scale, but Lacage has perhaps like name another non-tragic gay character in musical theater. Yeah. Certainly they're struggling over, you know, identity and problems related to being gay, but it's kind of a, you know, it's still even, it's a farce, even at its core, yeah. it's a whatever problem. Yeah. Right. It's not a big deal, yeah. um, which is which is what farces should be. I think that's great, yeah. and it's it's fun, it's exciting to, to watch gay people struggle with whatever problems, yeah. as opposed to like I'm gonna die. Right, exactly, um, and that's and it, it, I think in many ways, one of the reasons why Lacage was so successful is because yeah. it was an antidote to literally what was happening outside the theater. That literally right. what was happening inside that production inside team the theater, like yeah, yeah. um i think th- it was only a few months in before one of the cajels died of aids uh yeah. the, one of the producers died of aids like um it, it, it this was their reality you know what i mean right. um and i think it was it was probably a nice thing in a way to still to be see like oh no this disease doesn't define us Right, we can still find some joy yeah. in 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 the midst of a pandemic. Right, exactly, um, exactly. Um, 
there is still love, you know what I mean? And yeah. family. Yeah. And we can celebrate that and celebrate the other problems that still exist with it. Exactly. You know, exactly. With, with, without this, uh, like almost extraterrestrial feeling threat. Right. And like, we can forget about it for two hours. Absolutely. And I, th- I think that is something that it, it, it did and does really, really well is provide that, the opportunity. Um, yeah. So, you know, well done, Lakash. Yeah. When it is, I would wonder, like I'm trying to run through escapism musicals mm-hmm. post Lakage that aren't, you know, based like you're good man, Charlie Brown. Um, well, I think, like, I think we're going to get into a trap here of when we say, this is the only thing and then there is because there is right, loads because like tricky. you know yeah. drowsy a gentleman's sure. guide yeah fair fair M- mystery of edmund Drew, that was three years later yeah that's yeah. fair that's fair but for i think you're right for something that is so closely tied to gayness yes, exactly and to and to not talk about aids yeah. gay escapism different story yeah yeah, yeah. That's there's not a gay lot escapism. of that. and I think there's gay escapism. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see a lot of contemporary criticism about that sort of thing too. Yeah, like in the context of like Hallmark Christmas movies and you know stuff like yep. that. Like, why can't we just have like a story where the people happen to be gay? Yeah, um, and this is and for its time a story where the people happen to be gay, which perhaps is the positive spin on what you wagered as the negative argument against this uh-huh. show that. It is a story of straight people who just happen to be gay. And that's one of the nice things about right. it. It's a story of straight people and they just happen to right. be gay. And complications ensue. Right. But that's yeah. fine. Um, I, th- I think, uh, I don't know, I can foresee that world of just happening to be gay. Mm-hmm. Or just happening, let's just broaden the curtain a little bit more. Yeah. Just happening to be queer. Um, like, I can see that world coming into creation because like one thing i've been quite surprised at certainly over here um Mm -hmm. like in terms of uh like christmas adverts or just general just adverts at the moment oh yeah have you seen the nintendo switch christmas ad where the two gay uncles buy the kid mario kart and they play online it's so cute and it's it's become it is becoming that point now where it's just like like there was one ad that didn't have anyone who was there was no heterosexuals I was like, that's awesome. This is delight. And it wasn't like because it's pride. It was just we're right. just advertising our product. Wasn't there wasn't there a big thing? I've only read the headline, but didn't I read that a grocery store somewhere in the UK read like a very gay centric ad and people protested and then like the next day the channel all the grocery stores teamed up and oh. aired gay ads. Uh no, I thought you were talking about something different, which I need to reference okay. and show you because it is brilliant. <laughs> oh my god, I just remembered this. Um, the no, it was um, it wasn't uh, gay. It was uh, it was a family, a black family. Oh, uh, and literally everyone was up in arms. They were like, you know, so much for white Christmas, so much for you know, like I'm never going to be shopping there. Uh, why can't oh, you just God. show me people like me on the television like all of this it is absurd that's, like it's f- sickening it's absolutely yeah. sickening because it was a freaking christmas advert oh. it's a christmas oh, advert God. um 
yeah i mean there might have been like a gay equivalent as well sure um but that was certainly one of them and yeah one of the big things going on was like well let's just because they were all like well we're gonna boycott sainsbury's now uh, and people like, well, let's just have all of the like the, the grocery stores, have it, and then they'll just starve and they'll die. It is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it is such a wild. You know, I I do feel like, especially in America these days, mm-hmm. like I I get the fatigue around some of these social justice issues, yeah. and like, you know, can't we just fucking be done with this? Can't we just like just leave me alone? Exactly. But. Well, I think it's weird that I spoke to you about this at the top of the show, but um, Shit's Creek does a really good job yeah. of it. Sure, um, yeah. There's a really good uh, storyline that you haven't gotten to yet. Uh, yeah. But it, it very much feels like, okay, it just happens to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the thing, it just happens to be. Though the time travels by there is one thing that I am forever certain of. I You may be dancing with a girl who needs a shave. I think at new added to my list of dream roles, I think playing Zaza would be a lot of fun. I can see that for you. Who would you rather be? Zaza or mm-hmm. um B. Arthur? I can't remember her character's name. B. Arthur? <laughs> Just in general. No. Just in general. B. Arthur and Mame. <laughs> What is her character's name? Oh, in Mame. Dottie? Uh, what is her character's name? Vera. Vera. I would much rather be Vera. I want to wake up in the bathtub. And, yeah. You know, oh, someone has spilled alcohol on my dress. But also, the the answer is just you would rather be B. Arthur. Just rather yeah. be B. Arthur. Uh, have you watched any of the new Animaniacs? You totally should. Um, is B. Arthur in it? Did they resurrect her? Well, for... <laughs> in the very first episode, they have a song about reboots because, of course... In the meta world of Animaniacs commenting on uh, uh, the entertainment industry. And one of the lyrics is, uh, I think it's, would the Golden Girls be smarter if we resurrect B. Arthur? That's a very good lyric. Yeah, it's good. It's it's real good. Well done. It's not 3D, is it? No. Great. By that, I meant no, CGI. <sighs> no, it is good old traditional uh, vector animation. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, real good. Love it. Hey, I got a quiz question for you. Hit me. On the 8th of April, 2010, NASA played a song from this musical as the wake-up call on the International Space Station. I mean, general knowledge. I love this question. It's really good. It's one of my favorite questions in a while. (laughs) Hey, if you would like to get in touch with us, you absolutely can and should. It's been a while, kids. Um, Our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic. That is J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M 
IC uh, or you can drop us an email on our website at jimandtomic.com and while you're there you can check out our Patreon if you want to financially support the show thank you of course deeply dearly and truly to all of our patrons we adore you wonderfully also reviews on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever else you can leave reviews these days I'm sure you can leave reviews on Spotify um, why the hell not uh, give it a go and if not write to Spotify tell them I want to leave a review yeah, for Jim dear Mr. Spotify I know this podcast will you give it five stars XOXO Gossip yes Girl. perfect uh, um, but hey most of all do you know what just tell your pals all about us because that is the best way for us to get out there absolutely hope hope everyone's doing all right these days and uh hey thanks for listening cheers jimmy cheers wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. The bisexual woman with a spiralizer is a bisexual icon.